was a bunch of them. Amen. You know, that's one way I think that you can restore your passion or reignite your passion for God is, first of all, to realize that he is good. And he is good for your benefit, but also to realize that he's here, that he's always with us. So uh, for the last several weeks, we have been talking about uh, reigniting and restoring our passion for God because we all experience some times in our lives when we're just not as close to God as maybe we once were. Maybe those are times that we begin to lose our passion for God. Yet Jesus instructs us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all of our passion, with, with all of our will, with all of our intellect, with all of our energy. And he says, where your treasure is, there your heart, there your passion will be also. That is, whatever you consider to be most valuable, whatever you consider most precious, most important in your life, that's where you're going to find your passion. That being the case, where you put your passion is up to you. In Sunday school, we've been talking a lot about treasures. Where you place your treasures is up to you. It is indeed your choice. You choose if you're going to be passionate about the Lord or not. It's up to you. God says, you are the one who is responsible for keeping your passion high. He says, you are the one responsible for staying fired up for the Lord. He says, you are the one who's got to give it all you got. He says, it's your choice. It's your choice to serve me with some passion. It's your choice to obey me with passion. It's your choice to trust me with passion. The word even says, whatever you do, do it all. Say all. Do it all with all your heart, with all your passion, as you're doing it unto the Lord. It's your choice. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus wants you to serve him with some passion. He doesn't want you to serve him with a half-hearted effort. For the past two weeks, we've been looking at some reasons, actually uh, some ways, seven ways that Christians lose their passion for God. Uh, and looking at ways on how to avoid patterns of living that can really destroy our passion for God. You may remember that the first passion killer was an unbalanced schedule. To prevent losing our passion for life, to prevent losing our passion for God, we got to avoid two different extremes. One extreme is serving so relentlessly that you burn out. And the other extreme is being constantly fed by God's word, but refusing to do anything with it. Avoiding those two extremes, an unbalanced schedule, because either one of those extremes can cause you to lose passion for God. The second passion killer was an unused talent. God gives every single Christian abilities, talents, and gifts to be used for the benefit of other people, not just for us. And he says, if you don't use them, you're going to lose them. That's exactly right. If you don't use what God gave you, can I tell you, you will lose your passion for him. Third passion killer was unconfessed sin. We mentioned that last week. Refusing to deal with the sins that are in our life will cause us to have guilt and it will crash your passion for God. 
God's promise to us is simple, though. He says if we're willing to admit our wrongdoing to him, then we can trust him to forgive us, to cleanse us, and also to restore our passion for him. He's worthy of our trust. Can I tell you that turning God's way produces passion? If you follow God, you can trust him to restore your passion. Then we talked about a fourth passion killer, and that was unresolved conflict. Man, conflict kills passion. And I believe we discovered that last week. We found that resentment destroys, that jealousy kills, and that prolonged anger only hurts you. Unresolved conflict will keep your passion from being reignited. So we got to learn to forgive. And we got to learn to let God handle it. It's up to him. we got to take those people that we need to forgive, take them off of the hook, off of our hook, and put them on God's hook. He knows how to best deal with them. So today, we're going to look at the last three passion killers. And I'd like for you to open the scriptures to Matthew chapter 15. And listen to what Jesus says to the religious establishment. Listen to what Jesus says to the, uh, the uppity religious leaders that supposedly were uh, righteous in their own minds. In Matthew chapter 15 and verse 7, he says, hypocrites. He's calling the religious leaders a bunch of, say it, hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. What's another word for the heart? Passion. They draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips. But their passion is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. Can I tell you that if you are attempting to worship God with no passion... You're doing it in vain according to the words of the Son of God. you got to have passion. So let's look at a few more passion killers and maybe some ways that we can avoid these passion killers and reignite that fire to make the choice to reignite that fire for God. The fifth cause for a loss of passion is an unsupported lifestyle. Sometimes we lose passion for God because we're not spending any time around other people who have a passion for God. If you hang around with people that could care less, guess what's going to happen eventually? You're going to care less. You're not going to have the passion you once had for God. If you're not spending time around other Christians, not just for one hour, one hour ain't enough. If you're not spending time around other Christians, can I tell you, eventually you will lose your passion. I love this common sense verse that King Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. In verse 9, he wrote, two, say two, two are better than one. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. And then in verse 12, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. 
We need each other. And one hour ain't enough. We need each other because we all fall sometimes. We all stumble from time to time. We all encounter difficulty and challenges in this life. And we got to have one another. I know many of you have testimonies where you have spent many midnight hours on the phone with one another, gaining encouragement from one another, being bolstered and encouraged by one another. And I tell you what, if you don't have that, you'll lose your passion for God. So we all need each other to help us up in our lives. And I believe that this is why it's so imperative, why it's so important to be in a small group Bible study. That's why it's so important to be a part, a vital part of a Sunday school class. Because you're going to think one time, you know, I sure could use somebody I trust. I sure could use somebody that I could relate to. And you're going to need somebody that you can talk to uh, that you're already familiar with. Maybe you thought, you know, I should do that. I should become part of a Sunday school class. You know, there, there's one for me. I know that. Brother Bill and Brother Courtney talk about it all the time. There's a Sunday school class for me. Maybe I should do that. Friend, I pray that today you draw that line in the sand and you say, you know what? I know I should, but today I'm going to do it. Today, I'm going to become a part of a small group Bible study because I know that one day a crisis is going to come. And I'm going to need somebody that I can trust and that I have been in a small group with that knows how I feel, that can identify with me, that's in the same age bracket as me, maybe married, maybe single, it doesn't matter. But you need somebody when that crisis comes. Friends, don't wait. There's a class for you. And that's the way that the church is built. And that's the way you're going to be built. And your passion is going to be restored when the crisis comes. And can I tell you, it's coming. The crisis is coming. So don't wait. You need to be in a small group now. You need to be in a Bible study now because we're all going to fall. We're all going to experience that crisis one day. So become a part of a Christian support system. And we use Sunday school as our support system because you can't get it in one hour in here. As much as you love Brother Bill, and you all do, right? Amen. Praise the Lord. But you know what? You can't get it from me. You can't get it one hour from me. You can't get it one hour in the worship service. You've got to be a part of a support system. And Sunday school is a perfect opportunity for that. And so I want to encourage you all to become part of a Sunday school class. It'll keep your passion alive during the difficult times, but also during the good times as well. That's so important for you. I mean, think about this. In a prison... When you want to give somebody the ultimate punishment in prison, where do you send them? You send them to solitary. You send them to solitary confinement. You send them off to be by themselves. Can I tell you that there are some here this morning that are in a self-imposed spiritual solitary confinement. They say, you know, I can get it from one hour in a worship service. I can keep my passion alive for God in a one-hour worship service, but that's just as bad as being in solitary confinement. So you need to surround yourself with other Christians. Surround yourself with people, uh, perhaps in your age group, who can identify with your issues and with your problems and help you when the, when the difficult times come. So, whether you're married, whether you're single, you need a relationship with people who are on fire for God, who have a passion for the Lord, and that will help you to keep that passion real in your life. That's where it comes from. So I know that you probably know many people 
who have uh, been going along and they've kept their passion throughout their life. I would venture to say that very few of those people that you know that have kept that passion alive for God have not been a part of a small group Bible study. It's important. So many people that you know have kept their passion for God, but I bet you know a lot of people who have lost their passion for God too. Those that lose their passion for God, they fall into the same predictable pattern. It's as easy as the writing on the wall. You see it that way almost every time. The first thing that happens is they stop coming to church. And I'm not talking about the habit or the ritual of coming to this building or into this sanctuary. I'm talking about being around God's people. I'm talking about being uh, influxed in, into the service of God here in the church, being a part of that small group Bible study. And when you stop doing that, then all of a sudden your heart begins to turn cold. And when your heart becomes to, begins to turn cold, you start feeling like you're far away from God. And you feel like God is far away from you. It's the same pattern every time. And what you really need to be around is you need to be around other believers who are on fire, who really want to have a passion for God, and you need to be around them that they can reinstill, that they can reignite that fire, warm up your heart for God in your life. So important. I can't overemphasize this enough. We need to be around other believers more than just a one-hour worship service once a week. you got to do it. More than that. Um, anybody here ever watch the show Survivor on television? One, two, three, four, no, five, six, okay. Survivor is a show where they take about a dozen or 15 people and they throw them on an island or they throw them in a jungle or whatever and they compete and then, of course, the last survivor wins, uh, wins the money. Well, there was this one guy, his name was Greg Laurie, who interviewed a Christian woman who went on the Survivor show. And she was told that she could bring five things to the island. Five things. She said, okay, one of those things I know is going to be my Bible. Well, the, the producer said, no, you can't bring a Bible because somebody's already done that. So you're going to have to bring something different. So she went to this island without her Bible. She went to this island with no other Christian relationships, and her life went right off into the ditch, I'm telling you. It went right off into the ditch. Her character began to change the way she talked began to change. The words she used began to change. The attitude she had toward other people began to change. She became all of a sudden jealous and she began hating other people. All that stuff just immediately came into her life because she wasn't surrounded. She didn't have a supported lifestyle. She told that interviewer, Greg, she said, I didn't realize how really weak I was. Can I tell you this morning, I admit it, I'm weak. I admit it, I am weak as they come. And if I don't have a, a, a supported lifestyle, if I don't have a small group Bible study to encourage me and pray for me and identify with me, then you know what's going to happen with my life? Right off in the ditch. I can't overemphasize how important that is to you. I pray that you'd pray that and that you would consider that. We need relationships with other believers in a close-knit atmosphere, not just in a big room like this. That's going to keep us growing. It's going to keep our life out of the ditch, okay? Hebrews chapter 10 says it this way. Consider how we might spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, and let us be encouraging to one another. You know, other than the, the short fellowship time that we have, we don't have opportunity to do that in a worship service. But you know what we hear in Sunday school? 
We hear praise reports about what God is doing in our, in our lives. We have prayer requests for what we want God to do in our lives. Personal things that I don't want, maybe I don't want all of y'all to know. But in a small group, I'm okay with it. You know, there's a, there's a trust factor there. And you don't have to worry about uh, your, your story, your life uh, history, or, or your issues being uh, thrown out into the public. But in a small group, you can trust them, and they can trust you. So, I believe that's how God's made us. The Word said that we're not to be alone. He wants us to have relationships with other people. And can I tell you, if you don't have support in your lifestyle, you will lose your passion. Let me share with you a sixth passion killer. A sixth passion killer is an unclear purpose. Forgetting why you're here, forgetting your purpose is a sure way for you to kill your passion for life and for God. If you don't know the purpose for your life, why in the world would you even get up in the morning? Why would you bother? I mean, why put forth the effort to get out of bed if you ain't got a reason to get up? Life without purpose has been said to be busyness without direction. Busyness without direction. It's motion but it's no meaning. Life without purpose is pointless. But it's so easy to forget why we're here. It's so easy to forget why we're here on earth. Whenever we get distracted by bills and babies and baseball and business and all those other things, we forget. We forget why God put us here. We forget what our purpose is. And whenever you begin to forget why God put you here, then you're going to begin to lose your passion. You start developing kind of a who cares kind of attitude because you really don't have a reason. You don't have a purpose. See, I believe that, that passion and purpose go together. Passion and purpose go hand in hand. When you got a clear purpose, when you got a reason to get up in the morning, then you're going to have a whole lot of passion. If you ain't got no reason to get up, you ain't got no passion. Why bother? But can I tell you that your purpose has got to be God's purpose. Your purpose has got to be God's purpose because if you're only living for yourself, can I tell you that's a mighty puny purpose. If you're only living for yourself, that's a mighty dinky purpose so to reignite your passion you need something greater than I'm living for me you need something greater than that you need a motivation greater than yourself and it's God it's God that gives your life significance he's the one that gives your life meaning he's the one who gives your life purpose and the more you understand about God's plan for your life and the more that you live according to his plan, then the more passion you're going to have. Knowing what his plan is and living according to that plan will light your fire. It will give you all the passion you'll ever need. So, I heard it said that someone once wrote that passion, say passion. Passion is waking up, hopping out of bed in the morning, does anybody do that? Good, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Passion is waking up, 
hopping out of bed in the morning because you know that there's something out there you love to do. Passion is something uh, you can hop out of bed and say, you know what, I believe in that. It's something that God made you for. It's something that you're good at. It's something that's bigger than you are. It's something that you just can't hardly wait to get at again. It's something that you'd rather be doing more than anything else. It's something that you wouldn't give up for money because money can't buy it. What is that to you? What is your treasure? What is your purpose? Can I tell you that if you're a Christian, nothing else matters than why God put you here. Nothing matters more than that. Nothing matters more than why God put you here. Fame or wealth or success cannot compensate for a life with no meaning. So whenever your purpose begins to get unclear, when it gets a little cloudy, you begin to lose your passion. Let me tell you what your purpose is. Remember these and you'll do well. Because the, purpose you, the, the reason that you're here is first to please God. That's why you were created. To glorify God, to please God, but also to be a part of his family. To be a part of his family. To grow to be like his son, Jesus Christ. To serve him with all of the gifts and talents and abilities that he gave you. But also to share that wonderful message that his son, Jesus Christ, died for sinners so that they could live in heaven with our Father God. But an unclear purpose will kill your passion. Let me give you the last one. And to me, of all the seven, I believe this is the biggest one. It's the one that we have the most control over. And the last passion killer is an underfed spirit. An underfed, undernourished spirit will kill your passion. You see, every day, every day you wake up, you're going to face all kind of, as my dad says, stuff. And when he says stuff, he snarls. He says, stuff. We're going to face all kind of stuff, and that stuff will shrink your spirit. That stuff will shrivel your passion. So you need to know that tomorrow you're going to get up, and you're going to experience all kinds of distractions and disappointments. You're going to have conflicts and changes and challenges. You're going to have problems, and you're going to have pressure. You're going to have frustration and fear. You're going to have failures and fatigue. It's coming, okay? It's coming. And all those things can rob you of your passion for God. So, you, say me. Say it louder. You must intentionally nourish your spirit. You're the one who must feed your spirit because if you don't, ain't nobody else going to do it for you. You must do it. You must feed your spirit every day. You must take the time to feed your spirit or you're going to shrivel up and your passion is going to shrink away. So how do you feed your spirit? How do you feed your spirit? Can I tell you first and foremost, you need time with God. Every day, you need time with God, just you and Him. Quiet time. Worship time. Just you and God. How do you feed your spirit? Spend time with other believers. 
more than just one hour a week. You can't get very fed just listening to Brother Bill. Spending time with other believers will feed your spirit. Reading God's word and growing to be like Jesus Christ. Now that will nourish your spirit. Staying in the word. Also using your talents. Using what God gave you for the benefit of other people. Now that will feed you like you won't believe. And last, sharing your faith in Christ. The reason that you got hope, sharing that reason that you have in Christ, now that's priceless. That's how you feed your spirit. But can I tell you that if you just choose one of those that are up there, if you just choose one and you forget all the rest, can I tell you you're way out of balance. You can't just do one or two. You need them all. You can still lose your passion if you're just reading God's word, but you're not sharing your faith. If you're having quiet time, but you're not having time with other believers, you're going to be out of balance and you're still going to lose your passion. So how do I plug into God? How do I plug into God? How do I have that vibrant, that living, that daily relationship with God that keeps my spirit well fed? How do I do that? I'm going to give you the starting point this morning. The starting point is you need to remember how God feels about you. I was reminded in a card this week of how much God loves me. And I don't know how much he loves you, but I know he loves me. And it feels good to know that my God, my creator, the maker of my soul and my body, loves me. You know, I always knew it, but sometimes I think I forget it. I know it, but I forget I bet you do too. Did you know that God is hopelessly and endlessly in love with you? Man, does God love you. The reason that you may not be as passionate about God is maybe you've forgotten. Maybe you've forgotten how much God loves you. In the book of Exodus, the Bible says, Worship the Lord your God and Him only. For He is a God who is passionate about His relationship with you. That's the starting point. Did you know that God was that passionate about you? Did you know that, that God was that loving toward you? Did you know that he's not going, oh yeah, there's another one of my creations talking to me next. He don't pull that. He's passionate about you. You were created as an object of his love. And friend, I want to tell you this morning, the more you understand how passionate God is about you, then the more passionate you're going to be about God. You need to know that God is passionate about you. But when we forget, when we forget how much God loves us, we start blowing him off. Anybody ever blown God off? Raise your hand if you've ever blown God off. You know what I'm talking about. You know, Lord, I've just got other things to do today. Lord, I know what you're telling me. I know what your word says, but I'm going to do it my way. That's blowing God off. And I think sometimes when we forget how much he loves us and that everything, every instruction that he gives us is for our benefit and our good, when we forget that, we start blowing him off. How do we know that God is passionate about us? How do we know that God loves us that much? Well, I believe that the proof is in the cross.
Jesus stretched out his hands and they nailed him to that cross. And there he was in essence saying, I am so passionate about you. I made you. I love you. I'd rather die than live without you. But you know what the worst sin for a Christian is? It's not murder. It's not adultery or stealing. God tells us in Revelation chapter 3 that the worst sin for a Christian is being lukewarm. What does lukewarm mean? Lukewarm means you're living with no passion. No passion. It's like saying, God is just one of the things going on in my life. I got a full plate. I got my social life. I got my career life. I got my sexual life. I got my family life. I got this uh, little piece of the pie over here I call my church life. I stick God over there. And you know what God says? He says, how dare you? How dare you? I love you this much. I love you so passionately. I made you. I created you. I planned you. I saved you. I've got this place in heaven set aside for you. And you want to just treat me with this half-hearted indifference? Is that what you want to do? You want to say, well, excuse me, God, I've got other things to do? Well, Jesus says, I'd rather have you hot or cold than have you lukewarm. Because when you serve me with no passion, it makes me sick to my stomach. C.S. Lewis, great Christian author, said it like this. He said, there's only one thing that Christianity cannot be. Only one thing that Christianity cannot be. And that is somewhat important. If Jesus is God, and he died, and he loved you that much, then you owe him. You owe him the rest of your life. You owe him every spare minute, and with all your passion. And if he didn't, then you need to leave here, you need to go home, and you need to live your self-centered life. For the only thing that Christianity cannot be is somewhat important. The life for Jesus Christ deserves your entire life or it deserves nothing at all. Either be hot or be cold, but don't serve him with no passion. It makes Jesus sick. So how are you in your passion for God? Are you just going through the motions and like these uh, religious leaders who Jesus called, what did he call them? Say it loud. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you. These people who draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their, their passion, their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me. Either hot or cold, but don't do it with no passion. 
Maybe you're red hot. Maybe you're red hot for Jesus. And I pray that you are. And if you're not, I pray that you want to be. That it excites you that Jesus loves you that much. So has there ever been a time in your life where you were closer to God than you are right now? Ever a time in your life, and I want you to raise your hand if it's true, ever a time in your life when you were closer to God than you are right now? Raise your hand. If so, you need to ask yourself a question. Why? And who moved? God is still on the throne. He never budged. And the truth is this. You are as close to God as you choose to be. You can have as much of God as you want. You can be as passionate about God as you choose to be. So with all the love in my heart, I want to tell you this morning that if you're not passionate about God, it's your own fault. You might be saying, Brother Bill, who is this Jesus that you say loves me so much? That stretched out his arms and they nailed him to the cross. Who is he? Well, can I tell you that he is the son of God. Who was sent to earth. To die for sinners. That if they would just place their faith in him. They could go to heaven. I can't think of anybody that truly wants to go to hell. So I pray that you'd consider if. Consider if. If you died today, where would you spend eternal life? You may say, Bill, I'm one of those who just ain't as close to God as I once was. But I want to be. The choice is yours. We talked about so many ways that, so many things that kill our passion. So I pray that you'll hold those, that you'll open the scriptures and reread those, and that you'll make a conscious choice to grow more passionate about your Lord and your Savior who loves you. Woo! He loves you. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for always being in the same place and never moving, never changing. Thank you, Lord, for your love that knows no bounds. Lord, thank you for loving me even when I was still a sinner and for showing that love in that while Jesus, while I was still a sinner, Jesus came to die for my sins. Father, if there's a person here this morning that has never made a decision, said, I want to place my faith. I want to place all my trust in this one, the Son of God who died for me. Lord, I pray that you would speak to them this morning as only you can and help them to make that decision. Lord, if there's one here that has not been passionate about you, been perhaps lukewarm. Lord, I've been there so many times. And Lord, I just pray now.
that we would just apply these principles from your word and that, Lord, we would make the conscious choice to be more passionate about you who loves us more than anyone else can. Lord, you are worthy. Lord, I pray that we would give you our entire life, every spare minute of it. You deserve that. Can we say we love you too? In Jesus' name. And all God's people said.